Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us. It's the Thursday Three Martini Lunch. We've saved a stool for you. We've got good, bad, and also bad martinis for conservatives today. And Jim, a dozen House Democrats are urging Congresswoman Ilhan Omar uh, to clarify, in their words, a Twitter post in which the squad member claimed that America, Israel, Hamas, and the Taliban have all committed unspeakable atrocities. Her words. Uh, this is from the letter now. Equating the United States and Israel to Hamas and the Taliban is as offensive as it is misguided, read the statement uh, by Congressman Brad Schneider of Illinois. Uh, he says, ignoring the differences between democracies governed by the rule of law and contemptible organizations that engage in terrorism, at best discredits one's intended argument and at worst reflects deep-seated prejudice. The United States and Israel are imperfect and like all democracies, at times deserving of critique, but false equivalencies give cover to terrorist groups. And they say we urge Congresswoman Omar to clarify her words, placing the U.S. and Israel in the same category as Hamas and the Taliban. Jim, that would be good enough, but then Omar and her staff had to go out there and prove that, uh, you know, this wasn't just a one-off. This is what they actually believe. Uh, Omar tweets out, it is shameful for colleagues who call me when they need my support to now put out a statement asking for clarification and not just call. The Islamophobic tropes in this statement are offensive. The constant harassment and silencing from the signers of this letter is unbearable. So, Jim, I'm not sure how asking for a clarification, which usually means more words from you, uh, is equated to silencing. But uh, it looks like Omar's proving their point. So good on the 12 House Dems for calling this out. Yeah, Greg, you notice you don't see Ilhan Omar doing a lot of hostile interviews. Not even a hostile interview. Let's say tough interviews. Let's say skeptical interviews. Because if she went and, you know, let's say, meet the press. Uh, you know, I know some people are scoffing. That's not tough enough. But let's say um, Chris Wallace, uh, whoever you see as a genuinely tough questioner. And she said something like that. It'd be really great to hear somebody say, you say these, you know, Democratic colleagues of yours are constantly harassing you. How are they harassing you? I mean, tweeting, I disagree with you, is not harassment, right? It says it is, in, you know, it's an Islamophobic trope. How can we see that this criticism is because of your faith and not because of what you've said? Uh, prove that they are picking you out, in, you know, because of your faith as opposed to objecting to your argument, argument that there's really no moral distinction between the U.S., Israel, Hamas, and the Taliban. And the other thing I just want to observe, like I'm rereading uh, Directorate S by Steve Cole. I want to say rereading, like I read a big chunk of it. It's, it's, it's a heavy, it's Directorate S is called the CIA in America's Secret Wars in Afghanistan and Pakistan. It's probably about as extensive a recording of our efforts in Afghanistan from right before September 11th until uh, the book came out a few years ago, as you're going to find. And he described things like celebrating of uh, weddings out in the tribal areas of Afghanistan to celebrate the guys out there start firing their guns in the air, gets detected, it gets reported as hostile territory, hostile action, and a drone strike comes in and kills people. Now that sucks. That that is raw. You know, that is not something the United States wanted to do. We don't set out to blow up weddings 
we can and should pay restitution in those circumstances. We make, you know, America does bad things by accident. Hamas and the Taliban do bad things deliberately. There is a moral distinction there. And Ilhan Omar's purpose on this earth is to blur that distinction as much as possible. So, you know, she's really very upset that she's being held accountable for what she said. But I'd really love to see a more serious scrutiny pushback. And we just got to observe, look, I, you, know, you on this podcast, we have criticized Marjorie Taylor Greene plenty of times. I, I you know, we, we try not to focus on every crazy thing she says, because she says at least three crazy things every week. And we could do a podcast on nothing but these things. But in the end, a member of the House of Representatives who believes in Jewish space lasers is not something that, you know, is not all that... Um, it's a crazy person, and you just, you know, the only it's up to her voters to deal with her in that way. You know, we can point out the craziness, but if we did that, we'd do nothing else. You can say similar stuff for Matt Gates. I saw the other day that Louis Gohmert had altered, asked whether we could alter the moon's orbit to uh, alleviate climate change, stuff like that. Hey, look, if you want to, if you want to tear into these folks, fine. But let's not pretend that the Democratic Party doesn't have its own fringe that says every bit is crazy stuff. And I don't quit. Louis Gohmert saying, "Hey, can we move the moon a few inches?" <laughs> Yeah, like, like it's, it really reminds me of Hank Johnson wondering if Guam is going to tip over. And, you know, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, who was asking whether the, uh, the Mars rover was going to uh, visit where uh, Neil Armstrong had placed the American flag. That was the moon, not far as Congresswoman. <laughs> like, you know, Congress is going to have its folks who are not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I do want to believe that Ilhan Omar really gets celebrated. And there is a genuine fear of criticizing her, not because of her being right, but a fear of being accused of this, these knee-jerk accusations of Islamophobia, of which it's nothing on the sort. And what it really is is saying that somebody like Ilhan Omar cannot be challenged cannot be held accountable for what she says. And when she says something that is utter nonsense, like saying the U.S. and Israel are morally comparable to Hamas and Taliban, uh, what she wants here is a Muslim get-out-of-accountability free card. And that is not something we have in this country and nothing we're going to have in this country. And she really should get, you know, the answer to this is not to call her out less. The answer to this is to call her out more. Yeah, no, that's that's the case. And uh, you see even the slightest difficult questions are throwing some of these prominent Democrats off. And we talked about Lester Holt simply asking Kamala Harris when she's going to the border and it turned into a whole fiasco where uh, Jen Psaki and other liberals uh, leapt to her defense. And some even talked about how the question was either unnecessary or unfair. Uh, I, I, I did not see the context for the Louis Gohmert question. I assumed uh, in passing that he was simply uh, trying to point out that government policy can't change the climate, but uh, I don't know that for a fact, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend him uh, with a full-throated defense here. But I assume that's where that was going. But uh, you know, there there are definitely crazies from both sides. But uh, you know, making uh, equivalencies between uh, the United States and Israel. Greg, and- would you like to hear the, the transcript of the question? Oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> I walked into this one. What happened? <laughs> I was informed by the I won't do a Louis Gohmert impression. Uh, I was informed by the immediate past director of NASA that they found that the moon's orbit is changing slightly, and so is the Earth's orbit around the sun. We know there's been significant solar flare activity, and so is there anything that the National Forest Service or Bureau of Land Management can do to change the course of the moon's orbit or the Earth's orbit around the sun? Obviously, that would have profound effects on our climate. And this was a question directed to Jennifer. Iberlian, the Associate Deputy Chief of the Forest Service. I mean, Greg, I don't know about you. When I think about altering the trajectory of the planet, I think the Associate Deputy Chief of the Forest Service, they have a button in their office that allows that. 
Uh, the response was, I'd have to follow up with you on that one, Mr. Gomert. And he says, if you figure out there's a way in the Forest Service you could make that change, I'd like to know, Gomert said. So um, there we go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Glad we spent time on that one. Sorry, everybody. All right. Well, I can, if, if that made you uh, feel uncomfortable, uh, you know, there are other ways you feel uncomfortable too, like sore muscles. And there's something you can do about sore muscles a lot faster than you can uh, do about crazy politicians who just got elected again not that long ago. Uh, you can get the Theragun. Do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can really help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper, than vibration alone. Now, whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or you're trying to recover from an injury or it's just the stress of everyday life, there is just no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. And just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Yeah, that really is the best part of this. I love the Theragun. Mrs. Corumbus loves the Theragun. Uh, we highly recommend it. And there are different Theragun options. You can have one with more power and one with a little less power, depending on what your uh, your soreness issue is and uh, what your threshold is for uh, for the power of the Theragun. But uh, we love the uh, Theragun Pro. And of course, you've also got the Gen 4 Theragun. And it's trusted by 250 professional sports teams, including Real Madrid, as well as elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of Theragun customers, and yes, me. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at just $199. Go to theragun.com slash martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash martini. Once again, theragun.com slash martini. All right, Jim, we've talked a lot about the border lately, particularly as uh, Vice President Harris was uh, down in Guatemala and uh, looking at root causes. And as you brilliantly pointed out the other day, we should look at root causes. But uh, even if you solve them, you're not going to solve the border crisis for quite a while here, probably years at best. And so uh, her trip has been panned on a number of levels the whole Lester Holt exchange, which we referred to again just a moment ago. But we said, we'll see what the main numbers are at the border. Well, we know what the main numbers are at the border now. Uh, this is from uh, Hot Air. The good news is that fewer unaccompanied minors and families crossed the U.S.-Mexico border in the month of May. The bad news is that a record number of migrants crossed the U.S.-Mexico border in the month of May. More than 180,000 migrants were encountered at the southern border. That number is up from April. Uh, the number of unaccompanied minors and families who crossed the southern border dropped but remained at record high numbers. 14,158 unaccompanied minors were encountered at the border, down from 17,148 in April. Uh, the rise in overall encounters at the southern border, though, is due to single adults. Total encounters are at a 20-year high. So, Jim, uh, we're clearly not solving the crisis at the border. Uh, the Biden administration is reacting to this number by saying, well, we're doing a better job of hosting all these people coming across the border, including the kids. We've got better shelters and FEMA's there now. And so the conditions are improving. But uh, the problem of people flooding over illegally is clearly not uh, improving. So where do we stand? 
Well, we stand in a slightly worse spot than we stood a month ago, and we stand in a slightly worse spot than we did the month before. And the month before that, Joe Biden was assuring us that this was just part of a routine seasonal pattern, that this was nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, by the way, it's worth noting that was at the first press conference of his presidency, and so far, I believe the only lengthy, you know, in the White House press conference of his presidency. It was like, you know, 60 some, 70 some days in. And now I think another 60 some, 70 some days have gone by without a second press conference. Um, people might complain about, you know, lack of accessibility in the Trump administration. That's fine. But let's observe, we're not getting a heck of a lot more from this administration and this president. And what this is one of the reasons why that he gets called out on a uh, uncomfortable position. Look, you know, some of this is Biden's fault. Some of this you can say actually goes to the other candidates in the Democratic presidential primary who basically argued openly they wanted to decriminalize crossing the border without permission. They wanted to say, look, you know, the, the uh, rhetoric from the likes of, say, Kamala Harris saying being an undocumented immigrant is not a crime. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, like it is this attempt to believe that there are laws in the books, but we can't find the political consensus to repeal them. So we are just going to pretend they don't exist. And that's not a good for formula for anybody. If you, you know, it basically is saying that the laws are, um, sometimes they're in effect, sometimes they're not, depending on who's uh, president and who's, which administration is uh, running things. And if the administration and you know, the guy who takes an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution and see that the laws are faithfully executed is going to say, yeah, I'm not going to enforce those laws. I just don't feel like it. That's, that's what got us here. Um, Biden may regret it now, and Biden, you know, and you know, Harris did say the right thing over at the, at the border. But it's uh, clearly the migrants aren't hearing it, and clearly the coyotes aren't hearing it. And you know, you see the interviews with these coyotes and these with these migrants. And they, as far as they're concerned, Biden said upon inauguration, "Come on in." He didn't say it literally. We shouldn't say that he said it literally. However, the overall effect of all of his steps, including attempting to, to uh, have a moratorium on enforcement and on uh, deportations for 100 days, thankfully, a judge struck that down. But when you make a move like that, people are like, ah, the U.S. is out of the enforcement business and nothing has changed here in you know, June of the Biden, you know, the first year of the Biden presidency. And it's not getting any worse. The only thing that's going to make it not get worse is the summer heat. And oh, by the way, earlier this, I think it was yesterday, CNN had a report saying that the number of deaths at the border due to heat exhaustion and dehydration and things like that are triple what they were last year. Let me make one little asterisk and point out that because of the pandemic, migration was much lower last year than it regularly was. So we should expect some jump, but three times from the last year, we haven't even gotten into the, the hot months yet. We haven't even gotten into the middle of June and July and August. So it's a really bad situation. You need to get people to stop trying to come north because we don't want them to die. Oh, by the way, Customs and Border Protection has done 30% more rescues of people in life-threatening situations in this uh, fiscal year than they did the previous year. I mean, it's just a absolute humanitarian disaster that was caused by this false impression that Joe Biden is saying to everybody, come on in. And they can't say it fast enough or loud enough to say no. And to do that, they kind of have to recognize, oh, maybe the other side and maybe the previous administration had a point. Maybe enforcement is important and maybe we can't keep sending these mixed signals that maybe we're okay with some people crossing the border illegally. Yes, yes. The communication has been horrible and uh, the fact that they're still not really doing anything about it, uh, uh, I think belies exactly how serious they're taking the issue and whether they think there might be a political advantage about it. But Jim, you mentioned the uh, the, the press conferences. Uh, 
Trump did not do a lot of formal press conferences. What he did take questions, uh, you know, a couple when another world leader would be around, and he loved to do the rope line uh, back and forth with the reporters on his way out to the chopper on the South Lawn. I assume if Biden tried to do those, uh, the West Wing staff would have coronaries on uh, mass. Uh, I mean, Jen Psaki has actually said she doesn't uh, recommend that Biden take you know impromptu questions from reporters in that first press conference. I think was pretty carefully choreographed. But have you heard? Anyone in the mainstream media uh, really upset that there's only been one availability in the first few months here? The tweet I saw yesterday noting this is the only one I've seen. This certainly has not been a drumbeat demanding Biden make more. And I, we should probably point out, like the, the original master of this is probably our favorite president, Ronald Reagan. And the great thing about doing your Q&A right by the helicopter <laughs> is that if you don't like the question, you go, oh, the helicopter's still out. I can't hear you. Sorry, Sam Donaldson. <laughs> yes, he did that perfectly. Oh, man. Love Reagan. All right. On to our uh, wonderful sponsor of MyPillow. And they've got a wide array of wonderful products that we've talked about uh, recently. But they also, of course, still have the great pillows. Been sleeping on a MyPillow for a long time now. Got multiple families sleeping on the MyPillows now. And they love them. They're soft and they are supportive. And uh, it's just a really quality product. It's a reason uh, that they sell so well. So now you can refresh the pillows of every room in your house because the premium MyPillow is actually at its lowest price ever. Their current offer is that for a limited time, you can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for only $29.98. And a king pillow is just $5 more. Now, these premium pillows will never go flat, and they give you the best night's sleep every night. They're made right here in the United States. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener's square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, you're going to want to take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the new My Slippers. So get your premium MyPillow today for just $29.98, but only with our promo code MARTINI. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, on to our third martini, but our second bad martini. And as we've alluded to in the past, this one's likely to be a recurring theme. Inflation. ABC News. U.S. consumer prices continue to climb sharply while weekly jobless claims are falling. According to two pieces of economic data released by the Department of Labor today, the Consumer Price Index, which measures what consumers pay for everyday goods and services, and is often looked at as an inflation barometer, jumped 5% over the last 12 months, the largest increase since August of 2008, which of course is right before the financial crisis. The index used for cars and trucks increased by 7.3% in May. Amid a global chip shortage, the food index increased by 0.4% in May, about the same as the previous month's increase. The energy index was unchanged in May. Overall, the index increased by 0.6% in May after rising 0.8% in April. And so, According to the report here, uh, experts, quote unquote, are wondering if this is a short term issue or a long term issue. Jim, we hope it's a short term issue, but uh, the factors that normally trigger inflation aren't encouraging when it comes to that question. Greg, I was going to say every time you get another month in the, of the consumer price index jumping, 
Doesn't that make it less and less of a short-term phenomenon? That would be my analysis, but I'm not an expert. Short-term phenomenons tend to end. In fact, I, I believe if you crack open the textbook, they tend to end quickly. That's what makes them a short-term phenomenon. Um, look, I, you know, there are the interesting. I feel like I've seen a little bit more nervousness, and not just from the uh, Larry Summers types. I think you're seeing uh, Biden had said he's okay with the expanded unemployment benefits ending in September suggesting that if that's a major factor in people not going to work, and if that's a major factor in uh, workers, uh, co- you know, companies struggling to get workers, they want to get workers, they have to raise wages, they raise wages, they have to raise prices, you kind of see this, this cycle going, uh, then maybe in September, we'll get some alleviation. Unfortunately, it's June, <laughs> we still got at least two and a half more months to go until that uh, factor kicks in. Uh, sure, you know, increased gas prices uh, don't help, they're the sort of thing that makes uh, everything get more expensive because everything you buy at the store had to get there, which means it had to get shipped there by train or by truck or by plane or by other things. And uh, the other thing I kind of just sitting there thinking about is if you realize that like we've now spent three months debating whether inflation is happening and we've now had three consecutive months of really big jumps in the consumer price index. It'd be kind of nice if we'd all agreed, hey, it looks like inflation is happening two months ago, we could have started taking action then. I even think I think I, I, think I saw a couple of tweets, I don't know if it's from administration people or just kind of media folks who are usual allies who are pointing out like, look, we still don't know. We're comparing it to a year ago and prices were lower. This is still, you know, all basically saying, no, this couldn't possibly be really inflation. And it's one of those things where like, you know, is it, there's always like some character who insists that, you know, Freddie or Jason or or the, the shark from Jaws isn't back. And that character is, you know, like there's always some person who insists, relax, there's no danger from the dinosaurs that have escaped here in Jurassic Park. And then like the next scene, they get eaten by a velociraptor. <laughs> this is the economists who are insisting, look, there's still, it's still not 100% proven that inflation is here. Ah! And then the inflation monster eats them. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. I, I do want to see how things change once the supply chain kind of readjusts itself uh, with the massive demand now that things are opening up for different things. A lot of people using their stimulus checks on home repairs, and all of a sudden we see lumber prices going absolutely through the roof and so forth. And so once those you know industries that kind of retrofitted themselves to deal with the pandemic are now back fully doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, we'll, we'll see what the impact is. But I, I think uh, there are enough factors that normally trigger inflation that are at work here, and obviously massive deficits and additional spending are two big ones. And if that leads to higher interest rates, we got even more trouble. So uh, buckle up. Uh, has it Friday yet, Greg? Almost. Almost. You're only one day off. So we haven't had the worst week. We've actually had quite a few good martinis, just uh, some pretty rough, bad ones today. But uh, Jim, enjoy your Thursday and we'll do it again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please do subscribe to the Three Martini Launch podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. We are very, very grateful, sincerely grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Uh, Also, you can find us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Launch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday, and please join us Friday for the next Three Martini Launch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.